Welcome to the Inkspire podcast from Tharstern, the show that helps you turn your printing company into a bionic business. Here is your host, Ross Edwards. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Inkspire podcast. Um, I'm very pleased to be joined today by a great panel and some great conversations ahead of us, I think, where we're going to be talking about women in print and packaging. So I'm first of all pleased to be joined by um, Joe Stevenson. Joe is the MD of PhD Marketing, which is a marketing agency that actually specialises in supporting print and, uh, and the packaging industry, which um, is very much driven by Joe's vast experience in the packaging industry for 30, 30 plus years in industry experience. But Joe is also one of the co-founders of Women in Packaging, which is, is a great organisation that Joe can tell us a little bit about shortly. And I'm also pleased to be joined by Karis Kopp. Karis is Head of Content at Future Print, uh, which is another great organisation. And Karis is also the, uh, the proud founder of Karis Kopp Media as well, which is a very worth getting in touch with and speaking to about. And finally, I'm joined by Amanda Newman, who's the Head of Marketing for Tharston. Uh, and so we wanted to bring this conversation together because it's something we've talked about quite a few times now. And um, just thought it'd be a good topic for the Inspire podcast to, to talk about, about women in print and packaging. And so perhaps a great place to start would be, before we get into that, is just perhaps if you could all uh, introduce yourselves a little bit more, tell us a little bit more about yourselves. Perhaps Joe, we could start with you. Hi, thank you for asking me to join today. Um, yeah, I'm head of PhD Marketing, which works with about 35 brands within the packaging industry. Um, I'm also co-founder of Women in Packaging, which is an organisation that I established with um, a lady called Debbie Waldron-Hoynes, who's formerly of DS Smith and is also now head of the FIA UK, the Flexographic Industry Association, where I'm also a board member. Um, and we just kind of recognise that we have some diversity issues in the print and packaging industry. We have plenty of women, that's the good news, um, but unfortunately they're not appearing in a lot of technical and, and leadership roles and, and manufacturing roles. And we just felt that, um, you know, that there's there's just a, a disparity that, that needs addressing and we wanted to understand more about how we could support more women uh, to come into the industry and, and to progress. So, yeah, we established the, bus the business, the uh, initiative back in, I think it was around 2016, and have been running a number of um, events, things like this, to, to spread the message, uh, networking, and also um, education and, and mentoring type activities uh, to support female employees in, in the packaging industry. So um, it's completely done on a voluntary basis around the day job. As, as I said, I, I run a marketing firm, so that keeps me busy as well. I bet it does. Yeah, it sounds fabulous. <laughs> Karis, what about yourself? Yeah, so, um, yeah, like you said, working with working with Future Print, um, which I love. It's a fantastic platform um, that kind of came out of, of events and, and virtual events specifically, you know, kind of um, grew over over COVID. And I've um, been able to, you know, um, take more of a role working with the partners there and, and kind of telling their stories, which is, you know, my background and something I love. I started out as a journalist in the industry um, before moving to the to the dark side of of PR, and and now I'm um, out on my own working, like I said, with with like you said, Ross Karis Cop Media, which is um, just kind of supporting 
industry businesses with with content and communications and just helping them tell their stories like I said so uh yeah and, and you know been lucky enough to to learn a lot about what what Joe does with women in packaging I've worked with um girls who print in in the U.S. and um women in signs and graphics here so you know there are some 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 really interesting initiatives uh, in the industries in which I work so yeah that's me and Amanda over to you Hi Ross. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's been a few months since I've um, been a guest on this podcast, so it's nice to be back. Yes, yeah, it's good to have you back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've been working at Thorsten for the past seven and a bit years, and that is when I joined the industry as well. And um, I have to say, even though you know we sell software, I think I do know more about print and print production than I do about, you know, software development or anything like that. So even though this is, I'm not technically in print, I certainly do feel like I work in the printing industry. Um, so yeah, it's it's um, it, it's a great topic to talk about. It, it's something that I am quite passionate about as well. So I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Good. Well, thank you very much for all of you joining us. Um, and I think you're the perfect panel of people to talk about this topic. So a great place to start is, is perhaps at the beginning. Um, I'm going to direct this question to you, Joe, to begin with. Um, why do we need organisations like Women in Packaging? That's a really interesting question, and it's a shame that we do need these initiatives in the industry. Um, for myself and, and Debbie, the co-founder, we observed when we were at various events and, and working inside of uh, companies across the UK that there's clearly a lack of women, particularly in technical, operational, manufacturing and leadership roles. Um, the only data we have to substantiate that comes from the BPIF, who in 2019 indicated that the UK print industry is made up of 70% men, 30% women. Um, and, it, it, you know, you, you you could argue that there's plenty of women around. We don't have a, a, a gender imbalance issue. And uh, you know, if you go to something like packaging innovations, you'll walk around and you'll see an awful lot of women. But the women tend to be in the traditional roles of design, HR, sales, marketing. Look at us here today on this panel, you know, three marketing ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's when you get into those technical engineering, mechanical leadership positions that the gap really appears. And, and the way to contrast it is to go to something like PPMA, which is the machinery show held in Birmingham every year. And it is a sea of, let's be frank, 50 plus male, white gentlemen that are re- very reflective of that part of the industry mm. so debbie and i observe that and recognize that there's a challenge and it's very difficult to get the data so the bpif data is the best data that we can rely on but there is an imbalance and for those women in the industry um, there's very few female role models to enable them to see how their careers can progress so women in packaging was really established to to connect and enable those individuals to network and and feel a little bit more supportive because you know they they can be um, you know the only woman in an office sometimes or or on a manufacturing floor which I should imagine is pretty difficult for some of them. Mm, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So if you were a woman in the industry, why would they? What would you say to them as to you know what women in packaging can offer them and help them with? Um, fundamentally, it, it's a networking um, arrangement. So what we do is is run very informal networking events up and down the country, um, normally three or four times a year, which is, has obviously been stymied with the COVID impact. But the idea of that is, you know, when you when you talk to a lot of guys, um, 
they get together with the golf, the football, the motor racing. And I'm not saying women don't enjoy those things, but they tend to less enjoy those less. Women actually, many, you know, I don't want to be stereotyping everybody, but many women like to get together with a glass of wine and, you know, discuss and debate. So the events are really to bring um, both men and women. It's not exclusive to women, but an ability to bring females from the packaging and print industry together. We normally put on a keynote speaker on a you know hot topic that's going on so we can educate yeah. ourselves at the same time. But it's a way to connect and feel that we're not isolated in our organisations. Um, we also try to do a lot of this type of thing to spread the message that you're not alone. There are plenty of women out there that want to support you. Um, but fundamentally we're, we're really sort of working towards um, growing um, a mentoring program that's where we'd like to head um, ultimately uh, to give women the chance to soundboard with an individual that's got experience and also um, encourage the training and education program in the UK which is unfortunately sadly lacking for the packaging industry but you know that's what it really brings is an ability to connect learn see individuals like yourselves and hopefully be able to get some support should you need it yeah Sounds great. Sounds really good. And um, and what would be the benefit to a business? You know, so there's lots of business owners, leaders, uh, management, uh, leadership team that listen to the Inspire podcast. I mean, what would they need to think about for women in packaging? What what could could that bring to the business? I think it's it's not just the the printing and packaging industry, is it? It's, it's all industries that um, I think need to have a leadership team or a, a, a board that has a different wide range of you know voices and thoughts and um, approaches to, um, to to how they think and how they make decisions and um, that I remember there's so there's there's this one book that I've read called the five voices um, there's, there's a few yeah there's, there's a few different types of sort of um, ways of, of looking at it isn't the personality types and that type of thing but just using that as an example, you've got things like um, you've got the pioneer, you've got the guardian, you've got the connector, the nurturer and the creative. And and the idea behind it is that you need each of those voices at a, a board table at your leadership team meeting to, to make the best decisions, to have a truly balanced discussion and mm. come up with a, a, a balanced decision. And, um, and women are more likely to be certain voices out of that and men are more likely to be certain voices out of that women do tend to be more of a nurturer and a creative as well they can be all of the, the other ones as well but you know typically mm. we are more likely to lean that way whereas men tend to be more guardians and connectors and you know we can all be pioneers and entrepreneurs but um if we're not ac actively looking for a different um voices and, and you know ways of looking at things then we are going to have boards and leadership teams that aren't operating effectively so it isn't just a printing and packaging thing but it certainly does affect this industry more than other industries yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting there's been quite a few studies on the FTSE 250 companies and um, relative performance relative to diversity so that there is clear correlation between a diverse board and um, business performance so where women and you know uh, different ethnicities and so forth are involved in board management um, the actual performance of the company generally is is higher and I you know I can't give you the stats off my head but there are quite a few studies out there indicating that diversity is key to business performance because it, you're absolutely right you know great decision making comes from a variety of voices opinions thoughts and stops 
you know, one individual or one type of character just driving a business, not necessarily in the right direction. So, you know, there is economic return for investing in diversity. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's not just, you know, it makes business sense. You know, at this point, everybody should be realising that, that the more voices, the more diversity within your organisation, you know, the more well-rounded and and the more successful you know you're likely to be I think it's we need to move away from oh well you know we need more women because you know people say that we should have more women or more ethnic diversity but it just as you said Joe that the stats back it up it it makes good sense to to do that and I think we need that mindset shift as well to to accommodate. It ties in with the um the bigger issue of attracting younger people so it's not a bigger issue, but a wider issue of just attracting, yeah. you know, a more diverse range of people to the industry, doesn't it? It's, you know, we, we want more women, we want more younger people. We um, just want to shake things up and get some new blood into the industry. That's something that's talked about a lot, isn't it? It's in, in all the, the trade press, I'm always seeing articles and webinars about this topic. Everybody accepts that that's an issue. So I think they, go on, they, they do go hand in hand, don't they? Mm. Exactly. Yeah, I think you're right, there's, Amanda, there's definitely a relationship there. It, it, it kind of feeds into that, doesn't it, that wider issue of actually recruitment in the industry and, 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 and bringing new talent into the industry, which we all know is a challenge, not just for the printing industry, but for lots of other industries as well. But um, certainly for the printing packaging industry, we, we, we see that. And if you can bring that, by bringing that diversity into the organisation, it helps you to see things through a different lens, doesn't it? rather than just one film yeah. all the time. Um, and I, I know I read a, a great book um, by Matthew Syed, actually, a record called Rebel Ideas, where he talks about uh, the importance of having, his kind of principle of the book was to bring even people outside of your industry onto your decision-making teams and things like that, and, and how that can really benefit. He, he talks about in the book about like the England football squad and how they had a management team it was made up of people with nothing to do with football because they wanted to bring that diversity but when you think about it it's that's quite a challenge to do to start bringing like out of industry experts into mm. your business because what's in it for them why would they want to do that it's quite a risk quite a challenge but it's much easier if you think about it probably to to just diversify your management team by a mixture of male and female, different experiences, different cultures, and that's probably a much easier thing to do and can still bring about that diversity that you want. And going back to that five voices, the right mix of personalities and and thoughts um, when you're making decisions. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely a very valid point, I think. And so where could a business start? What could businesses do to encourage more women in leadership roles? I think, you know, the starting point is probably actually understanding the the gender balance that you actually have. You know, Mm. when we look at the data, it's not great, but it's not extreme. But by company, it can vary hugely. So having a bit of of a reality check in the first place and understanding your gender issues and then actually talking to the women in the business themselves and and understanding their experience and what needs to be done by the business differently in order to make it a more appropriate business environment for for them to work in. Um, But then, you know, it's really about looking at the policies and procedures that can support in particular female employees and you know the, the obvious 
one that everybody jumps to is is the ability to have flexible working and and that's both for men and women nowadays you know that I'm slowly seeing the change of you know men getting paternity leave and and being more active in terms of that caregiving role but you know even today we all accept that but the majority of the burden falls onto the woman and actually having flexible working arrangements whether that's flexible hours or actually working from home part of the time can make a real difference to keeping women in the workplace when they are in that you know sort of child rearing age mm. what the rest of the, the team thinks on on that one yeah absolutely it's, it's about just having a little bit of um empathy and and consideration for for everybody in your workforce really male or female and and making sure that you understand what that situation is and if they need a little bit of of help and I think that that is definitely true when it comes to childcare, whoever the main care provider is. And, you know, I think it, it, I'm speaking from a personal point of view. I was a single mother for quite a few years and I found it incredibly difficult trying to balance a, a demanding full time job and try to progress the, the career ladder and look after two young children as well. And, and, and I know that there can be single fathers as well, but 90 percent of single parents are led by the the female of the family and um i so there was you know i i I had to make best use of uh, breakfast clubs and after school clubs and summer holidays clubs and all that type of thing but it was still really difficult I, i still looking back wish that i had somebody who was a little bit more empathetic and who was considering my situation a bit more yeah. a bit more understanding um I, I wish I had a bit more flexibility it would have made things a lot easier you know I remember one that particular incident well there's a few incidents but I remember one particular one where my son was really ill and um I'd been asked for the first time to attend a board meeting because they, they said you know we, we value your input here we would like you to come and discuss some issues with us please come to the next board meeting I was very happy about this I thought you know my hard work was was paying off I was getting noticed uh, but you know long behold the school rang up my uh, my seven-year-old son was really ill so my parents worked full-time both of them I didn't have any support from the, the father side of things so I had to go and pick him up and I made him a little bed in my office and then I went and attended the board meeting and, uh, and it overran and it went on for over two hours and I left him in the office sleeping mm-hmm. on a a chair yeah. but you can imagine the sort of inner turmoil that was going yeah. on I was yeah. trying to contribute and uh, um and uh, make a, a valid contribution to the meeting but also half of my brain was worried about him and wanting to go and check on him and and I just think that perhaps if that you know if our executive director had have been a female she might have you know added in a little break in the middle and let's have 15 minutes and you go and check on your son so I'm not, you know, our, our executive director was a wonderful guy and he was he was a lovely person. Um, it's just, you know, he he had a wife who looked after his children yeah. and stayed at home. So we didn't really think about the situation at all. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's such a good point. It's those little changes and those little, you know, acknowledgements of those kind of day-to-day life issues that do overwhelmingly tend to, to fall to, to women, you know. Um, and just even with hiring practices you know when women leave the workforce to have children that's a rocky road back to a career you know when you've missed that time and even with covid 
lots of women left the workforce because of COVID because if you know if if one person had to stay home with the children it was tended to be women who tend to be you know perhaps if there's children in in lower paying roles or in you know part-time work so if the husband or man is the main breadwinner you know and obviously that's a bit of a generalization but there are statistics yeah, to back it up and and you know just thinking oh this woman don't look at two you know potential candidates and think well the man's been in constant employment and the woman's had three years off so you know you need to you need to be more accommodating for, for those kind of things don't I think the tide is turning but you know oh well this guy stayed till till nine last night and came in early he's very dedicated you know we there needs to be a, a, a mindset shift and even with younger people they place a lot more value on, on work-life balance um yeah. anyway you know it's not that you know work yourself to death and that's a, a positive trait so businesses will get left behind if they're not acknowledging those changes and you know like you said you're looking at your your work practices and making sure that you're adjusting for all your employees Mm. Yeah. I was I was really sad to see yesterday actually somebody it was a fairly big organization put out they were trying to be you know create one of these polls on LinkedIn where you get people debating but they actually put does working from home affect women's career prospects well technically everybody's been working from home lately male or female and I didn't really understand why that had to be called out you know and that's the type of thing that's mm. unfortunately still going on out there in terms of assuming that women are going to push for working from home and it's not it's not necessarily the case you know people are, it, and actually some of the policies need to be particular to people's individual cases as well I don't think there is a silver bullet to solving keeping women in the workplace and and inverted commas being happy you know it, it really depends on the type of business the type of organization the type of role that they're in yeah. uh, having that agility as, a, as an employer to, to recognize where you need to flex in order to keep the great skills and talent in the industry, particularly in the current recruitment environment where, you know, we're, we're basically at full employment at the moment. You know, every business is, is crying out for skills and talent at the moment. So it's in businesses' interest to make it attractive for women to stay and, and you know, to put a little bit of flexibility in there if it's needed. Yeah, I, I, like I say, it's, it's having them policies there that allow you to be flexible and agile with, for different circumstances, isn't it? Not easy. I, you know, I, I also wear my employer's hat. I've got 22 yeah. staff myself and it, it isn't easy. You know, when you've got somebody dashing out the office at three o'clock because they've got children to pick up and they're coming back on at five o'clock to do because they want to work full time to do that extra two hours. But then they're not available when everybody else is. So. Yeah. It, it's just working out by role, as I say, and by business type, um, the flexibility that you can and can't allow. And and, and it's just, for me, I, I think most people fundamentally believe that they can do the right thing. It's actually just having the time and attention on the matter to make it successful for yeah. the industry. Because, you know, running a business for most people today is is full on. You know, we, we lead very busy lives generally. And, and the print and packaging sector has been through all sorts of challenges over the last two or three years. There's there's no easy business out there at the moment. So, you know, the women's and the gender issue tends to fall down the priority list when you can't even get materials in the door or your prices are going nuts or you're trying to deal with Brexit and customs. Yeah. It's not an easy business world out there at the moment. So I, I get why it gets missed sometimes and back going full circle to your question that's why organizations like women in packaging are incredibly important because it keeps it on the narrative for the industry 
Yeah, yeah, and just keep, keep on reminding people that this is something that we need, we need to, to work on. And, and I think, exactly. I mean, the easiest thing as a business to do is probably just to treat everybody the same, isn't it? Like just to have them hard rules, fast rules that everybody gets treated the same and relevant of their work, of their circumstances. But just because that's the easiest thing to do doesn't mean to say that it's the, the best thing to do, does it? And, and often the best thing to do can be the hardest thing to put into practice. Yeah. But I think it's just reminding yourself as a business that that doesn't mean you should shy away from it. Um, yeah, I think as well, I just want to, on what Joe was saying, it's so true. In a busy business, you're just, you get bogged down in the minutiae in the day to day. I think it's it's been good to see lots of businesses, you know, set up the kind of diversity and inclusion, you know, initiative, you know, within the business, whether that's just a small board of people that, um you know, meet however often and, and, and look at, you know, the kind of long term impact of making sure that you, you're a diverse and inclusive business so that you don't just, you know, it's easy to just cut off that that kind of thing because you, you are up against it and running a business. So I think, you know, like putting those kind of things together, putting teams together that that do regularly meet and, and look at those challenges and, and how they're solving them within the business and how they're making a positive impact in the wider industry as well is is, is important. And it's great to see so many businesses doing that um, over the last couple of years as well. Exactly. I think it, it's detrimental um, in some ways to, to just treat everybody equally, isn't it? I think we, mm. we do need to be aware that there, there, is, there is a difference between male and female characteristics, typically, not not obviously 100%, but typically, I think, uh, you know, as a, as, as a gender, as women do tend to lack a, a, a bit of confidence in comparison to men, men do seem to have more confidence and, um, you know, they perform better in exams, the studies show, and in fact, if you look at sort of the history of um, GCSE, and all level performances before that um there's a direct correlation to, to how well women do in comparison to men and whether it's mainly exam based or mainly coursework based whenever the sort of the breakdown is um more exams men perform better when it's more coursework based women perform better and um there's a great book by um, Cheryl Sandberg called Lean In, where she talks a lot about the issues about women in business and why there's not enough women leaders. And she quotes a study from, actually from Hewlett Packard, um, it was an internal study that said that um, women will um, only apply for a job when they know that they can do 100% of the responsibilities on there, whereas men will only apply, sorry, will apply for a job if they feel like they can do roughly 60%. So, you know, what that means is that men are putting themselves forward for promotions and applying for the next step up a a lot sooner than a woman would. So, but it, but it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean that they are any better than their female counterparts. It just means that they are going to put their hand up sooner than a woman. So you need to be aware of that, don't we? As, as, as leaders in a business, you need to be aware that that might be happening, that you might have very, capable, competent women in, in your managerial team um, that aren't putting themselves forward and mm. should be doing. And so that you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't always go to the, 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 the person who's putting the hand up all the time and saying, I want that promotion, like give me more responsibility. 
you should sort of, you know, keep keep that in mind and, and, and don't treat everybody equal. Treat them, you know, according to their, their characteristics and their personality and their voice, as we spoke about earlier. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think it, it, it's like if you, if you flip that around as well, it's like, why do we need women in print and packaging? Well, if women generally will only apply for a role if they feel that they're, they fit 100% of the criteria, you know, tick all the boxes. Whereas a whereas a male would 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 chance it if on sixty percent, then w- women are sure you're better candidates to employ because they they feel <laughs> they are that fully capable of doing the role. That they have that belief that they're capable of doing it. So it's, it, it, that that to me becomes another reason why you want to encourage women to come forward as applicants. Mm. Uh, I can just sort of just think of a a very recent instance where um, somebody approached us, uh, approached me, sorry, um, a person currently recruiting for, uh, put an advert out for implementation specialists uh, to grow the team. And a, a woman that I know who works in the industry very well approached me about it. And when I think back to that conversation now, the first thing that she said was how she felt that she ticked all of the boxes um, and that she was really interested in, in the role. But the the second thing that she said, but what was holding her back was because she had a family and mm. didn't know whether this would be the right time in her life because she had children to think about. And so immediately I was able to respond and say, well, it might be worth having a conversation because Tharson's very flexible and, you know, our culture and we, we think about things like that. And, and also now with COVID, for example, as well, a lot of things have shifted from being on site to being online and, you know, so it brings about that flexibility. And, and I know that's just a one-off instance, but it's just suddenly dawned on me then when, when we were talking about that, that actually that is a, a real life example of... Perfect a, example, yeah. She was fully capable of the role and, and she absolutely would be, but, but was ho- holding back because of, a, of the family commitments and everything else first. Mm, yeah and and that's good I think from your perspective as well Ross you know Tharston is a business that puts so much effort into its culture and its people and, and it kind of puts you in a position where you can say you know well actually you know Tharston prioritizes its its people and, and you know I think if more companies felt like they knew what the company culture was about and 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 what the flexibility you know was that was offered someone might be able to if I looked up fast and listened to a few podcast episodes or, or you know fast and tv I, that focuses on on people and culture and I was looking at applying for a role or a couple of roles I think that's the one for me because I know that they're they're offering that flexibility so so like we were saying before it's, it's just good business sense to to, to prioritize that kind of thing yeah I think you're right Karis. It, it, it's when we talk about women in print and packaging, it, it, it really what that feeds into is about you having the create a culture within your organisation. If you create that right culture, the, the 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 productivity that you get from your team, the results that you get back from your from you know for your business it, it is a lot higher. Yeah, mm. it, it's. Well, and, and staff effort. retention rates will go up as well, and particularly in again in a, re- a recruitment short market. Yeah, that you want to hold on to your staff and holding on to your staff is is 
actually less costly than trying to recruit new where there's always risk so Mm. investing in your people finding ways to satisfy them uh, whether that's around flexibility pay conditions whatever it may be is actually less costly to the business than having turnover and churn where you're having to retrain and manage the culture for the business etc etc so once again it just makes business sense yeah you're the people yeah I, I, I guess really that feeds into, doesn't it? Like we say about culture, and, and we talked about it earlier, but about how it's important to communicate that in your in, in your job adverts, your interviews, and, and portray that that these things are important to your business, aren't they? Being a responsible employer, mentoring programs, if you can entertain that, talking about team building, um, but yeah, communicating that awareness of the importance of a good well-being culture I think yeah. is very attractive to bringing women into into businesses yeah and similar for younger people as well I think it's it's, it's very much about them wanting to identify with your, your values isn't it is often the priority rather than anything else and again oh, yeah. that's going to be important to to putting that forward make, making it clear what your values are as a business yeah there's so much research about um you know gen z and and um how how much they want to work for places that are identify with their values how they prioritize work-life balance you know they, they care about the ethics of a business you know it, it's a completely different culture to you know perhaps you go back to maybe 80s or 90s and you know organizations may get away more with saying well, this is how we do things here and that you know like it or lump it you know younger people i think that, that have you know different opportunities or different outlooks on life aren't going to put up with, with that kind of thing for very long like you were saying joe retention is crucial so um again it comes back to our, our theme good business sense <laughs> so you know it, um, yeah, you're right caris and I, I was i was reading the other day that um women are also more purpose driven than, than men are and that's so ties in because the younger generations are females are so investing in that culture, growing that engaged culture, it is going to help you attract a more diverse range of talent into your company. Yeah, and I, I think it, it plays a part. I mean, the, I'd be interesting, interested to read more about the men will, you know, go for something if they only meet 60% of the criteria versus women. It'd be interesting to see how much that's kind of nature versus nurture in terms of women are perhaps a little less confident or how much you know men feel more confident in an industry or industries shaped by men um you know being the, the dominant ones and you know if 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 a woman was in a, a more female dominated workplace and she didn't meet all the criteria but she knew she could do the job would she would she say to her superior actually I think I can do this you know I, mm. I haven't got on that but I'm willing to learn you know that's why a more balanced workforce is so key going forward because as we reshape and reframe industries over time as they do you know having that balance is crucial and i i just wonder how much if it is it women are less confident or if we if the world of work was female dominated would it be men who are you know actually a bit apprehensive about putting themselves forward because they they only meet 60 percent of the criteria well, yeah, I was just sort of linked to that. There was uh, the other thing that I was reading. It, it's about um, the, it, it's all based around the fact that women are valued for their leadership 
performance versus potential, whereas men are apparently valued for their leadership potential versus their performance. So this article I read like sort of amalgamated a few studies about this. But it still doesn't answer the question, does it? Because which came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it, right. are we creating that? Or as society imposed that upon us? I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Well, there's one way to find out, and that's, you know, yeah. long-term balance. <laughs> yeah, but the, I think the good news is, as much as, you know, that there is still a quite significant issue, particularly within the, the packaging industry, we are making progress you know we are seeing various pieces of legislation coming forward for example getting companies with over 250 employees to report on their pay gaps um you know there is a lot of encouragement from general in industry to rectify the issue so i am i am encouraged that things are changing and you definitely see more um requirements from men as well around their family management and work-life balance so even compared to the time that I've been in the industry we're definitely seeing change it's not all doom and gloom it's just perhaps the change isn't going fast enough for for many of us yeah yeah it's a good point to ask I I did want to ask that question you know have have you in your time seen progress have you seen change which is that 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 then gives a sense of hope doesn't it if we're seeing seeing some progress even if it's small it it gives I wish I could measure it I do wish I could measure it in some way and have some data to, to validate it um, you know my measure tends to be by those group environments and visiting companies I'm, I'm definitely seeing more women in organizations than perhaps 10 years ago um, but sometimes you wonder whether it's just you being aware and actually looking for yeah, it. Well, yeah. <laughs> if you, exactly. if you think about a particular bird, you'll see it that day, won't you, when you're driving somewhere. So I, I do wonder about that. But I always use the FIA um, awards dinner that I go to every year. I remember because I've been on that board for about 11 years. So I was with Sun Chemical and, and went to the first one. And there was used to be about 500 people at that event and if there was 40 women there I'd be surprised and it was really quite uncomfortable actually as a female it was a lovely evening but you had to be fairly tenacious and confident in yourself in order to handle an evening like that whereas today it's definitely more of a 70-30 type split or even 60-40 in fact I can probably get the data so that encourages me that really encourages me but you know, I think I re- reflected on the, the pale male stale type impact that you get with something like PPMA. I went to PPMA um, when it was on and last year and nothing's changed in terms of that manufacturing and, and technical side. So we, we have a long way to go. It just depends where you look, I think, is, is the message. But change is definitely happening. And there's certainly not the scepticism, I think. When we set up Women in Packaging, we got an equal amount of kind of why the hell is this needed um, attitude as much as we did, wow, we really need this as an industry from my male counterparts. But today I think it's a general acceptance that t- times are changing and, and attitudes are changing, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You, you mentioned there as well, Joe, about legislation mm. and some legislative uh, changes that are starting to come in. What, what, what are your thoughts on the you know there's pros and cons to, to, to legislation effects in this area what what's your thought you know what would you say are the cons well one to- of one of the big sort of healthy debates that's going on and and there's only a couple of countries so far that have mandated this but whether we need to legislate uh, female representation on boards of companies and you know just force the change um and and there are exactly what you said there are pros and cons to this argument for my personal belief 
I'm, I'm against it. I want to be recognized for my skills and talents for what they are. And I believe that if, you know, I, I'm in business, um, I'll, I'll die on my sword basically uh, around this topic in, in that I've worked hard. I've, I've made, made my way through perhaps even the language. It sounds like a battle, doesn't it? But, uh, you know, I accept that history has probably brought about the male dominance of, of much of what's going on here where you know traditional society was the man went out to work and the the women stayed at home and and you know we can't really blame anybody for that um but to suddenly legislate for it makes me feel that we will end up with some individuals in positions that really shouldn't be there don't deserve it and it you know looking at it through the male lens if you like it's an excuse it becomes a well she's only there because we've had to put her there and I just don't think that's healthy for the industry on the other side I'll let Karis answer that one in terms of the pros of this <laughs> yeah I said beforehand I, I bet I'll listen to Joe and just you know she'll she'll convince me of what, what she's thinking and I, I mean I do I completely agree there's pros and cons I think you know saying there about wanting to be recognized for for your abilities I, I completely agree with that I think unfortunately a lot of the time we, we don't live in a, a meritocracy you know there are people that have advantages and there are you know if you if you look at, at women or, or people from, people who aren't white for example or people who are different sexual orientation all these things can go against people and do and you know you read those really depressing statistics about you know if if we if we carry on like this we won't have equality on boards until you know 1100 and, and whatever the current rate of, of how it's shifting so i i do understand that it can you know reinforce stigma over people are, are just here for that but I think on balance for me, you know, having, I don't know about legislation, but quotas, you know, in some areas, it, it just means you are going to get um, more representation faster. And you're not saying, you know, pick up anyone from the street just because they're a woman. You know, these are qualified people. And yeah, I just, I just think there, there are advantages in, in maybe thinking, go against the go against the grain go against where we where we'll get to if we keep going naturally uh, and actually kind of impose um impose some quotas in, in some way and yeah i just uh, the, the acid test actually would be to implement it for a given period and then stop it and actually see whether the female representation then dropped away again i think that it'll never happen but that would be the acid yeah. Test. but yeah I, I think the jury's out i think for me and it's probably because of the point that i'm at in my career as well you know i'm 52 and i'm sitting on boards and i've, I've kind of broken the glass ceiling if you like. i was the first woman on a board at limpat for example um so you know i'm kind of well if i can do it there's others can do it and I'm actually prepared to give back and help others do it so I'm, I'm probably coming from a bit of a unique position and I, I do appreciate that but yeah I think it's it, it's it's saddening isn't it in, in, a, in a sense that legislation would have to be the way exactly to, you yeah. like to think it, that it will just organically happen and that people will businesses will start to, to to make changes themselves and i think there are lots of businesses out there that are doing that have done that and are doing that but the legislation is probably the catalyst isn't it that's needed to to, to speed that process up and but then it comes it yeah. comes with some prices doesn't it I, th I think one of the you know one of the other negative you know negative points of it is yes you know i think there was um i don't have the statistics but there was one country which, which um 
which kind of imposed these quotas to have 30 or 40 percent like in Scandinavia yeah yeah it just it, it, it didn't show that actually great now those women are on the board but it didn't have that effect of of women in 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 lower levels um you know having more representation as well so, so that you know there is that um that negative aspect as well that it's you know you've ticked the box but is it improving things across the board for for, for women in that industry um mm. perhaps not right well um I think that's probably a good point to to, to bring this to a conclusion really um I think there's some real key takeaways that people can can pick out of this from thinking about you know your culture thinking about flexibility thinking about just being aware of this issue in in the industry is it, perhaps a, a good starting point and maybe start to think about how you can how you as a business can can ch make a change for this. So thank you very much for uh, for joining us today. Um, I'm sure we can find a sequel to this podcast at some point. <laughs> it would be good to revisit it. So thank you very much for joining us. Hope that you've enjoyed listening to the podcast as well. If you've any comments or questions, um, then please do get in touch. And if you've got any ideas or uh, topics you'd like us to cover in the, the podcast as well, then please do get in touch. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for, for today. Thanks, Ross. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Inkspire podcast from Tharstern. If you have any questions about today's show or you're interested in being a guest, head over to our website and let us know. And don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>